Welcome back to the weekend edition of Everyone Gets a Trophy. Hey, sorry we didn't get it out midweek. We've got lives. Yeah. Stuff happens. So we appreciate it. Thanks for your forbearance. But we don't have to thank you to discuss the fact Texas football is getting closer. It's happening. And, of course, the Texas Longhorns baseball fulfilling their birthright. They're going to Omaha. They're in Omaha. Yeah. And they're going to be playing tomorrow. And uh, we may touch on a couple of other things. So, uh, Kevin, how's it going with you, man? It's going good. This was a hellacious week, but I guess in a good way. But I was kind of all over the place. So, I am ready to be ready to do this and then get home and maybe get a bike ride in, a swim in, and then just sit on the couch, which I have not done much of. So, uh, yeah, man, had my uh, birthday yesterday. So, that was fun. Thanks to all the people who tweeted and called the show or texted or came by we were actually on remote the last three days so uh it's always cool whenever um and I didn't really grow up a huge I mean as a kid obviously I liked my birthday because you got stuff but as I've gotten older was laughing on the air yesterday and laughing with you a little bit um you know I guess the males in my life didn't really treat their but with social media people actually know about it now so I've gotten to where now in my 40s I can actually appreciate it and not not try and run from it and just be like, you know what? Thank you for saying happy birthday. If anything, yesterday, it allowed me to catch up with a lot of people I haven't caught up with. Yeah, you and I grew up the same. So I have a uh, December 21st birthday. So as a kid, Uh, I never had parties, right? Because everyone's off for Christmas. You can't really coordinate that. And it was just because you're also near Christmas and also I was the youngest. You're, you're sort of forgotten. Yep. So you get a lot of happy birthday, Merry Christmas presents. Yep. And uh, also, you know, it just wasn't a big deal. Now, obviously, you know, I got to eat cake and, you know, we could go uh, to the restaurant of my choice, which probably back then was Magic Time Machine <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> yeah. For a little for a little nostalgia, for those uh. of you who remember that place. Uh, or I'd wanted to go to Holiday House yep. and see if I could see the either the emu or the alligator, depending on which era you went there. And uh, anyway, that was my birthday, and it was just not made a big deal. And it was sort of – I got the same thing from my dad and my other male relatives, which was, was sort of unmanly to have a day where you celebrate yourself. And I've always felt that way. And so when I've had girlfriends or, or people in my family or whatever say, hey, it's your day. What do you want to do? This day's about you. I get like kind of freaked out by it. And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't think any person needs to have a day that's about them. You know, <laughs> I, like we can we can go eat dinner and I really appreciate a thoughtful gift. Uh, but, you know, I'm good. And certainly not your birthday week or birthday month. I've been in some no, relationships the people where that's who extend the case. that there's a little sociopathy going on there, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, they definitely love themselves. I'll get them that. There's definitely some narcissism going on. So, yeah, and so I appreciate that, but I'm ready to move on and ready uh, ready for some college baseball this weekend, but also ready, I guess we're, what, like 70-something de- days away from Texas and Louisiana, and you've got some football nuggets, don't you? I got a few football nuggets, and so you don't want me to sing happy birthday to you like Marilyn Monroe did to JFK? Oh, my God. Please do not. So my mom, even to this day, every time she... Oh, God. Marilyn's in the news, actually. We may may get to that at some point. Probably not, but... That that had to be a little awkward for Jackie, given that... You think? You think old old John was, was laying laying some wood and she probably was aware of that uh also his brother was and whoever else uh, but 
Yeah, that had to be a little awkward. Talk about putting on a political face for the public. Yeah, incredible. That um, I mean, every time I see that, I just think of her, and I'm thinking, oh my god, that's just too in your face. Uh, a little different, not a sexual, thank God. But my mom will call me every every birthday and sing happy birthday to me. I'm sure your mom or other moms do that, and it's like, okay, I appreciate it. But you know, especially as you just get older, you get busy, and um. I, I do appreciate it, but then after I'm like, all right, like I'm on a phone call or I've got, I've got something to do. Can I call you back later on? Yeah, exactly. All right, football nuggets. Let's do it. Can we do that, birthday boy? It's your day. It's my day. Well, you know what I want? I want birthday. I want some birthday football nuggets. So what do you got? All right, I got a few things. I'll throw it out. You react to it. Okay. Derek Kerstetter has been activated. He's a full go for off-season activities. Obviously, he suffered a very serious uh, leg injury last year that uh, ended his year prematurely. People were concerned about the time span and, and sort of speed with which he could get back. He's got a clear full go. Good, good, good news. And hopefully he'll be playing either guard or tackle. I, I know that center experiment is over with with him, and I felt bad for him last year being, being, being put in that position. But, yeah, I mean, I think Kerstetter can be a really solid lineman for this you know, hopefully he's the type of guy that Kyle Flood wouldn't start in two years or three years, but he's a guy who could be really valuable this year. Yeah, so I think he's either going to be your starting right tackle based on your reco- his recovery and his ability to get back his strength and everything else. He's either your starting right tackle or he's your first guy off the bench utility offensive lineman, okay. which is super valuable, right? Yeah. The ability to play three positions on the offensive line. Now, I agree with you. Derek has a high center of gravity. He's, he's over six foot five and he's also cut high, meaning, you know, he doesn't have short legs. So that's a really difficult position to play center and, and root out nose tackles. I mean, some of those dudes are six feet, three twenty, right. And, uh, I, I think he was just at a little bit of a disadvantage there. Obviously he was, he's a very smart guy. He's very experienced. So that's why the coaches valued him at center. But I think Herb Hand misplayed that hand, and you know that's something you and I had talked about. We weren't sure Kerstetter was a natural center, and I think the coaches have restored him to his natural position. So yeah, I think he's going to be the, either the starting right tackle, or I think he's going to be your first man off the bench, utility offensive lineman, which is a de facto starter, frankly. Yeah, no, it is, and and like you said, that can be really valuable, not only with. Uh, injuries and so you got to assume that that not all five guys are going to go through without getting nicked up and banged up and and maybe missing a couple games but obviously during the game too I mean I, I I think that you look at some of the some of the teams and programs that Texas is trying to get to and they've got depth on that offensive line guys that can come in and you know offensive linemen get tired too yeah, you know, you don't have to sub for them as quite as aggressively. Because no, they're, not, they're not aggressively. They're, they ain't running and gunning around. Uh, <laughs> they're not pursuing the football, and they get to, a lot of times they get to, you know, drop into a pass set, hold up for three seconds, and then watch the play. But, uh, yeah, they get tired. They get nicked. They get dinged. Um, it's, it's great to have an experienced utility guy to come off the bench. And uh, oh, I think that's it on Kerstetter. Awesome. Glad to have him back. Yes, totally. When the moon hits. Sorry. No, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, see, this, a, this is our first one not being in front of each other. Create drama, but if, you know, you're, you're not a radio experienced guy, you didn't sense that. <laughs> it was too long. It was, a, it was too long of a pregnant pause. You went Rome on me, and I, was, I thought, oh, my God, where are we going here? All right, my, so. My pregnancy went 
my pregnancy went late term so like the 10th month you, <laughs> you, had, you, you had to induce pregnant you had to induce labor you were popping you were popping and so yeah i had to induce some labor there all right so that's good news what else you got when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie nice. that's omire yes sir. troy omire he has been cleared he is back the word is this is the most talented longhorn receiver obviously he has not played in games blew out his knee he was dominant as a true freshman in the fall camp, basically in August, all the talk was Troy O'Meara and what he was doing to Texas cornerbacks who were three years, four years, his senior blows out his knee. He has had pretty much a full recovery. You never know until you go to game speed. You don't know if he's going to acquire some other soft tissue injuries because of the knee and, you know, creating imbalances in your body and all that stuff. But he is back. He is our X receiver. He's huge. He is fast. He's got huge hands. He just swallows the ball on the run, and he runs great routes. People are very excited to get Troy O'Meara back. I'm excited to get him back. I'm really, I was really curious to see what he was going to look like last year, especially after getting all the news that he was tearing up the camp, like you said. And Man, he would have been so needed for this receiving core. I guess I also was wondering, well, he was doing that against our secondary last year. Uh, but still, I'm, I'm excited about him, and especially with a guy like Sark. We've talked about it with Troy. His catch radius is crazy. So whoever wins a quarterback job, he's the type of guy that you don't have to necessarily be perfect. you got to get it in that catch radius, and he attacks the football. So I just hope, Pete, that, that his twitch is back, and, you know, considering he blew his knee up. So we'll see where that is, but – yeah, I'm expecting this guy to to start and to be a big part of the receiving core. Yep. Another guy that I think people have forgotten about. You know, Kevin, there's a tendency that we get all fired up about recruiting, right? You get all excited all the way up until signing day. They sign. You talk about the guys that signed. Oh, it's amazing. And then if any of those guys don't start immediately, which is, you know, the UT fan mindset now, right? If you don't start as a true freshman, you must be garbage, yeah, right? right. So – we, we've trained ourselves that, uh, but if a guy red shirts, if a guy, you know, has to grow and, and get physically mature, we just forget about him. And then we put our eyes back on the next recruiting class and we start talking about it as if the last recruiting class, you know, didn't even exist. Right. And a guy that I think has slipped through the cracks because of injury, uh, because of lack of opportunity, Braden Lybrock, he is back as well. Uh, I think he's a very gifted pass catcher. He's a little bit behind on strength and conditioning, so that's gonna, he's going to need to catch up there to be on the field. But I think he's a potentially very effective move tight end, particularly in that Sark offense, backing up Cade Brewer. Now, Jared Wiley is playing another tight end position. He's sort of in-line blocker, right, hand down on the line of scrimmage. Brewer is sort of that move tight end, you know, more of the traditional old-school H-back. So Braden is going to be playing there behind Cade Brewer, he is a gifted pass catcher, and if you watch his high school film, boy, he looks a lot like a, a young Todd Heap, for those of you who might remember that guy from Arizona State, big star, also a star for the Ravens before his career was ended by injuries. Uh, I like Braden Lybrock. I think he might be an interesting sleeper for this football team. Wow. Now, that's surprising. Hadn't, hadn't Lybrock been around here for a little while? No, not really. Okay. Yeah, he just he pretty recently came in. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of Lato. Yeah, you're right. No, no, no. This different dude. Yeah. Um, yes. So when you're talking Todd Heap there, I'm thinking, holy shit, I remember Todd Heap at Arizona State. That'd be great. Um, and also, as you're talking about that, in terms of inline blocking, 
Is Jared Wiley ready to do that? Because uh, we saw him get blown up by Jaron Thompson, not to take one play and to blow it up too much, but come on, when a safety's blown up a tight end in a spring game, I'm going to wonder if this guy's ready to block. Yeah, I'm with you. That's one of those zero-sum game plays of a spring game where you go, oh, look at Jaron Thompson. He just blew up a guy 60 pounds heavier. Oh, no. And then you realize the guy that he blew up 60 pounds heavier is your starting in-line blocker tight end. So, yeah, mixed feelings. As as they say on the Internet, mixed emotions. So, uh, (laughs) Do they really say that on the Internet? Yeah, (laughs) that's what the kids say on the Uh, Internet. Hey, I've got another guy to throw at you. He has been injury-plagued. Jake Smith. Not a full go, but he has returned to workouts. Uh, I, I don't know what to make of Jake Smith. I think he's a big wild card for this football team. I think any result, whether it's a, he's a starter against Louisiana or he transfers uh, sometime in early August when he sees the depth chart or anything in between, I think that's possible for Jake. I'm, I'm just curious to see what's going to happen with him. Do you think Jake is as talented as some Texas fans do? You know, that's a hard question to answer because we haven't really seen him. Look, he is certainly a guy who can run. He's got movement skills. He's quick. He has had issues catching the football. Yep. He's had issues with consistency, and he's had issues with durability. So I don't think we really know how talented Jake Smith is, but I do know that catching the football and being on the field are necessary to show your talent. That's true. Yeah, so he's got to stay healthy. We know that. I've just kind of always wondered. I mean, he, look, he's a, he is a quick guy. Um, he had some dropsy problems here, which I did not expect. And I, I say that because, well, he's the white guy on the field. you got to catch the football, right? <laughs> no, I'm – Such stereotypes. Such stereotypes. It, it is, yeah, because some white guys uh, don't exactly catch and some brothers got great hands. So, obviously, we're just having fun with that. But, yeah, I'm, I, I think he's a total wild card. And – I guess my biggest hope. I I feel like I've never thought I never thought he was as talented just from the stuff I saw as some Texas fans that are just blowing him uh, or blowing him, but blowing him out of proportion and his talent that this guy is going to be all world. And I never saw that, but I just hope he can be solid. And I'm, I guess I was also expecting Sark's system to be able to free him up and also utilize his skill sets. You know, make sure that you you really shine the light on what he does well. Yeah, you know, in, in fairness to Jake, he spent a good bit of his high school career as a running back. Yep. And now he was an all-purpose back, um, and he showed good hands doing that. But, uh, you know, he still might be adjusting and learning the position. And, you know, we can allow that. And, and we've had these other running back conversions in Texas history pan out mid to late in their career. Uh, you and I, a guy we both love, Wayne McGarity, right? Uh, a running back out yeah. of San Antonio late conversion to wide receiver and, and had, you know, big impacts in his Longhorn career after he recovered from a knee injury. So not the first time we've seen a guy bloom late from a position conser- uh, conversion. So let's see what happens with Jake. Keelan Robinson, the talk of Austin, the Alabama running back transfer, quick as a hiccup, not cleared. He's still not cleared. He's still not able to work out. I'm not sure if the issue is NCAA stuff or it's just physical uh, he has to be cleared on different physicals, but he's not yet working out with the team. But a guy that is freshman wide receiver from Fresno, California, which I don't know if you any guys have ever been to that garden spot. But uh, 
It is near some beautiful country in central California. It's also a big agriculture area. Uh, it's not far from Kings Canyon, Yosemite. I mean, gorgeous, epic country. But Fresno itself, <laughs> kind of a rough town. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys have any experience with it, but it's an interesting place. Xavier Worthy, the former Michigan commit, ended up coming to Texas. He of the 10.55 meter dash as a sophomore in high school, 21.41200. He is not just track fast, he is football fast. And he is turning heads in these off-season workouts in terms of just pure twitch. And he's skinny as a rail. I think the comp I made to him was he's got that Allen Iverson body, which is all just wire and gristle and bone. And no, I mean, he's got about 2% body fat, right? right? The heaviest thing on his body are his tattoos. <laughs> but uh, I think he is a guy who could potentially be you know, a freshman phenom, or maybe he's going to struggle once the pads come on and, and people start putting their hands on him. But uh, anyway, he's, he's apparently the talk of the offseason. What, what are your expectations for a guy that is slight like that it's so it's easy, obviously, to look at what Sark did with Deontay Smith, who's older, but was also a guy. He's got good play strength, but he does not have a lot of weight on him. And Sark did a lot of things to try and free him up. I'm not telling you, obviously, that the Xavier is going to be anywhere near that with his skills, especially this early on. But that is one thing. I think that is one comparison you can look at. Sark hides guys like that and frees them up to get their get their their own or create a release for them without them without them having to do it yeah you know, look I, I a pet peeve of mine is i and i think this is the bill belichick school don't tell me what players can't do tell me what players can do and then craft a system around it yep now if what the player can't do is catch the football you can't do it he can't play that. yeah that's fine i'm not talking about that but if you're saying oh he can't hold up against press coverage well don't allow him to be pressed. Yeah. How about that, rocket scientists? So, <laughs> you know, I think there is a, at the risk of picking on the former coach, which we all like to do, right? There is a Tom Herman-esque mindset to some coaches, which is if their X receiver, let's say their outside receiver, isn't 6'4", 225, runs a 4'4", 40, uh, but also incredibly strong, can't be pressed, and also has great hands. Oh, then you could play that guy. But if, if he has any other deficiency, then, oh, you're, he's useless and, and he, he has no value on your team. Right. And I just think coaches that think that way, that, you know, the guy needs to effectively be flawless in order to play the position. I just think those aren't – that's not coaching. Mm -hmm. and, and I think the good high school coaches who listen to this podcast, maybe even a couple of college coaches listen to this podcast – uh, I think they're nodding in agreement right now because that's really what separates the wheat from the chaff in the coaching profession. It's the ability to take a really outstanding person or outstanding athlete with a glaring deficiency and find a way to work around it. Yeah. And that's what Stark has done at, at, at different stops. So I'm, I'm optimistic. I think the bigger issue for Xavier Worthy is just adjusting to the play speed of college football. Yeah. I think once he does that and gets a little weight on, I think his play strength. I'm hoping his play strength is similar, like I said, to to Devontae, where you look and you just go, holy shit, this guy's a lot stronger than he looks. And we know guys like that. We probably played against guys like that, uh, kind of that wiry strength. Hey, can I just throw a name out here? And you may have something on it, you may not. But I, I'm sure. I'm curious to see what you're hearing about 
what he could do, and that's Keaton Crawford. Yeah, I've, I've heard nothing but good things about him. Nothing recently, but you know, apparently the coaches like him a lot as the, the third cornerback, and they're not shy about playing him. Um, they feel like he is gifted. He's got good size. He's one of these guys that can run backwards, you know, seemingly almost as fast as he can run forwards and he can break, you know, he's a, you know, there's sort of that as you're dropping off into coverage and a wide receiver stops in front of you, how many steps do you have to take before you reset and you're moving forward? Yep. Right. And, and bad corners, it's three average corners. It's two awesome corners. It's one. And then the Daryl Rivas of the world, there's never any separation, right? (laughs) Like they're just, the, the minute the receiver stops, they stop. Like, it's just like on a dime. And uh, I don't know where Keaton is, but what the word is that he's a, a one and a one and a half stepper right now. And that's a good thing in a cornerback. So we will see. And I love the fact that he played on offense in high school. So yeah. he's got some ball skills. He can catch the ball. He can do something with it after. And uh, that's often a big differentiator at, at the, at the cornerback position. You know, that's kind of what we're hoping out of Deshaun Jameson this year, playing that off coverage and, luring big 12 quarterbacks to throwing to a spot because that's how they're trained. Right. And he's going to go run to that spot and be there before the receiver and take it 70 yards the other way. Yeah. It's about time. Our defense starts getting to that spot, right? If if they're throwing to open grass, well, let's get to that grass before them. A big, yeah, that's a good, good advice for potheads as well. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a big part of Kwiatkowski's philosophy, which is, hey, the rules are stacked against us on defense. So what we need to do is attack their automatic throws, their gimme throws, their gimme plays. And we need to create high leverage situations going the other way. And, you know, a quarterback can be like a baseball pitcher. God help me. I'm making a baseball analogy. But, you know, if a baseball pitcher gets hit hard early, it's, it's tough for a lot of those guys to rally. And, boy, if you can put a pick six on a quarterback early in a game or an interception in a key moment, um, you know, sometimes those guys just go down the tube. And, you know, you, you saw that with Spencer Rattler last year, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, OU had to bench him. Uh, of course, they put him back in the game, and he ends up rallying and, and taking OU to a win that they, they should not have had. But, uh yeah, well, that's that's the nature of the beast. But, yeah, that is the value of having these high-leverage cornerbacks who can actually not just bat down a ball, but they can punish the quarterback and take it the other way and do a little high step the last five yards, and that quarterback is running to the sideline feeling like absolute garbage, knowing that they're about to get an ass chewing. All right, what other nuggets do you have? Those are my nuggets. Good I, nuggets. Uh, I, I do – all right, I'm going to allow you to play baseball. I'm going to allow you to talk baseball because my favorite time of the year for Texas baseball, Omaha, baby. You and I made the guarantee that Texas is going to beat South Florida. We didn't even think it would be a three-game series. You and I might have felt a little twinge of fear in the ninth inning in the first game <laughs> yeah. when – Texas gives up back-to-back solo home run shots with a 3-1 lead. But Eric Kennedy, of course, like everyone expected, comes through with a big double, walk-off double to win the game 4-3. The next game, Texas destroys South Florida, as everyone expected. Uh, I got a great 
email from an avid listener and a longtime reader of Bark and Carnival and Inside Texas. He goes by Nordberg, Kevin. Have you ever come across this creature, Nordberg? I have not. No, I have not. I mean, maybe I have, but not that I remember. All right. Well, Nordberg says, uh, hi, fellas. Nordberg here. I really enjoy your podcast. It is without a doubt in my top 10 most favorite sports-related Spotify podcasts in Central Texas. Cool. Appreciate it. Well, I think he's being a little sarcastic there. Yeah, I know. I think he is, too. Top 10. And by the way. We're solidly in that top ten. Central, I think we're at least number seven. I like how you put Central Texas in there too, which actually makes exactly it, it makes it funny yeah, though. Come there's, on, there's man. a couple of podcasts in in Wimberley and Hutto that are that are <laughs> currently trending ahead of us, but there's, we're going to take them down. They're about antiquing. There's actually but, uh, about to say there's one in Georgetown that's on that. It's about uh, buying the right golf cart for your retirement. Oh community. my god! So All right, what is between the two of you? You have what I can only assume are at bare minimum 110 combined years watching and following sports closely. This is an age shot as well. <laughs> yeah, I got that. Anyway, my question is this. Have you ever, in all that time, <laughs> witnessed a jinx as thorough and as ironclad as the, only one, as the one you slapped on Texas baseball in this week's podcast? <laughs> well, 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 Nordberg. <laughs> so he obviously... The shoe is on the <laughs> other hand. I wrote him back. And I may have uh, dropped an F-bomb, but I did tell him in my email, I will likely read your mailbag if only to mock you unmercifully for your cowardice and quaint belief in black magic. Thank you for finally acknowledging we're a top 10 Central Texas podcast. It's long (laughs) overdue. And then I wrote, because I know Nordberg as a, as, a write, as a guy on the internet, he's a great dude. He's very funny. Seriously, great to hear from you, my man. You've always been one of my favorite commenters. And uh, we, did, we did indeed slap a jinx on Texas, but such was our confidence and such is our belief in science and reason that we don't believe in these little black magic jinx voodoo nonsense that, frankly, so many people in baseball do believe in, about right? Say, yeah, I was about to say, speak for yourself. You're talking to a senior. Yeah, well, I... We, Talk about an ADD-riddled profession. It's baseball player. <laughs> it really is, man. No, I mean, it, there's some superstitious crap that goes in that sport, and some of it I'm cool with. Some of it gets a, goes a little too far. I am not going to jinx this team and say that they're going to win this whole thing. One, because I, I don't necessarily believe that. I think this is a wide-open CWS. But we, that's how confident we felt, Paul, that Texas – look, Texas had a nice path to get here uh the regional was pretty easy the super regional ends up being pretty easy south florida's good club they got some good young talent one thing that we did predict that we were well we were dead on i guess about all that because they won it in two was that south florida and their young team a lot of freshmen a lot of freshmen that really contribute they've never seen anything like the dish and i mean look you got to tip your cap to those fans the Texas baseball fans, I've said this forever. I will continue to say it. I think Sark kind of said it. I think Chris Beard kind of hinted at it. The Texas baseball fans are different. And if they can pull some of that across I-35, I texted you after that first one and said, man, if we got 25% of just the energy, it's going to be different with the amount of people, a lot more people. And as you add more people, it can be tougher to get that that real uh, – unified energy that we got at the dish. But if you could take 25% of that and take it across I-35, certainly to the drum, but also to DKR, they'd be much tougher places to play. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's going to happen. That only happens with success. True. And tradition and, and fulfilling expectations and the, and the belief, frankly, that you can alter the game. And yeah. Kevin and I recorded an, an evergreen podcast that we'll be releasing. It's uh, Kevin's top 10 favorite Longhorn games. And one of them was the famous 1990 Texas University of Houston football game, Oof. which if any of you ever attended, it was absolutely epic. Uh, the most rowdy, bloodthirsty Texas football crowd I've ever seen. Ditto. And they altered the game. And, and, and I've, I, you know, the, the crowd and home field advantage can be overdone. But I think that Texas crowd that night was worth 14 points. I do, too. And it was, it was unbelievable to see and experience. And I think Texas fans are fully capable of that. They just need to buy in. And I hope we see that. Uh, I think there's a good chance that, that we can build some of that. Um, but it would be good to get off to a good start. So we'll see. Do we want to talk a little bit about Omaha and the field and how you see things? Obviously, we're releasing this late in the weekend. So some of these games are going to already be played. Um, it's baseball and baseball mocks prediction, baseball mocks certainty. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the nature of the game is that a bad baseball team is going to beat a good baseball team two out of ten. Yeah. So saying that anyone is ironclad to advance, you know, Arkansas bowing out and not making Omaha is proof of that. It's, it's a perilous thing. But I do like the side of the bracket that Texas drew, and uh, I even am cool with the first – game opponent yeah I may may I may regret that because that's the nature of baseball but what are your thoughts Kevin um I'm actually a little worried about Mississippi State and top of the lineup is really damn tough uh how about these names these two names are, I know you're gonna have fun with because they're playing at Mississippi State playing baseball at Mississippi State Tanner Allen and Rowdy Jordan perfect <laughs> I know especially Rowdy Jordan I mean that is just Jesus uh, that's great. But look, Mississippi State was, it, it's kind of everything comes full circle. So this is going to be interesting how this works. Mississippi State was the first team that Texas played this year on that awful weekend that has really helped them out actually in Arlington where they got swept by SEC teams. And they, you know, look, they, they just got overmatched in that game. I do like, so Mississippi State's going to go with Will Bednar who has just been a strikeout machine, 74 innings this year. He's got uh, 113 strikeouts. He can flat-out pitch. And high velo and really elite pitching, it obviously gets everyone because that sounds like a stupid comment. You go, well, yeah, elite pitching is going to be tough for everyone. Yeah, well, it, as I've said all year, it can be tougher for, for, different, for, tougher for some lineups than it is for others. So like the 2005-2002 teams, they actually dealt with elite pitching pretty well. And they wouldn't necessarily put up 12 against bad-to-average pitching. This team beats the shit out of bad-to-average pitching, and you up the velo a little bit in command, and it, they look a lot different. So I'm curious to see how far this offense has come. Bednar's the real deal, but really it's their bullpen. So they didn't face Bednar in the one game they played. That was McLeod, uh, who they – Christian McLeod, who's their second guy. But they did face Landon Sims, who's the top bullpen arm. And I think we're going to see Sims. He's got 10 saves on the year, 46 and a third innings pitched, and he's got 85 strikeouts. This team, when they do face elite pitching, they strike out a lot. And so the velo's going to be up. The 
movement's going to be up. I, both those guys are really damn good. I think this is going to be a tight game. I think this is going to be maybe Texas' toughest game. I feel like if they get through this, they're getting to the championship series. and that So that would just be getting to 1-0. I like the matchup against Tennessee, a team that has hit 98 home runs on the year, and they've done it really in a ballpark where it carries out, and that's not going to translate to what is going on at TD Ameritrade. In terms of offensively for Mississippi State, they're hitting 282 as a club. They have hit a lot of balls out. They'll run a little bit. So I think their offense – it translates to TD Ameritrade better than Tennessee's does, but probably not as well as Texas does. So Texas, get your get your effing bunts down when you have to get your bunts down. Run and hopefully get an early lead on Bednar. Chase him, and my guess is Sims will be coming in at some point. So here's the thing I've heard on Bednar. That's awesome analysis. Um, I've heard he's one of these pitchers with better stuff and better talent than performance. Yeah. Meaning I, I've, I've heard that he's had some games where he's gotten just shelled and that's why his ERA is three, five, seven. Right. Right. And it should be, he's got the type of stuff. He should have a, a sub three ERA. Yep. Yeah. So whoever, whoever said that is right. And in that he's one of these guys and, and, and early on we'll be able to tell too, if he's really got stuff working, if he's got stuff working, it's going to be a long, long day for uh for texas yeah i mean just to back that up bednar's given up 11 homers on the year mcleod's given up 16 so sims has given up one sims to me is their best pitcher you know almost like a kevin cops for for arkansas where that's the guy you really don't want to face i think they can if bednar is you know we've got two guys with really good stuff and ty madden's been better than bednar his numbers would show that i think bednar's also faced actually i know has faced tougher lineups throughout the year Ty Madden really hasn't faced tough lineups the last couple of weeks and talking with uh, just making sure that what I'm seeing is true, talking with a couple of Texas pitchers that listen to this podcast, they backed it up. They're like, yeah, look, his location has not been as good as, as he wants it to be. He's been elevating pitches, elevating fastballs and getting away with it. I think Ty Madden's going to have to pitch backwards in this game and rely heavily on his slider. This is a first ball fastball hitting team. That's what they do. I, I like that analysis, and in fact, there's probably some objective proof on that in that when Texas met Mississippi State, Ty Madden pitched, gave up four runs in four innings, and got pulled. Yeah, and got pulled. Uh, I think that was his worst start of the year. Look, I a uh, couple of those guys, we mentioned them before on this podcast, and actually one of them wants to throw at your neck. So he and I were going back and forth yesterday, and – he, uh, this is what, what I love about Texas baseball players. Uh, he, uh, he texted me, he said, happy birthday, man. It was one, two, should they start Madden? We went right away into talking ball, which was, which was fun. And both of us agreed that we would throw Pete Hansen. Yes. Yes. If you're playing matchups, he yeah. seems like the kind of guy that would befuddle Mississippi state. And, uh, he's just that control slider you know, location guy that seems to give Mississippi State some trouble. Uh, they seem to excel, as you said. If, you, if you're going to elevate a fastball every now and then, Mississippi State's going to park it over or off the wall. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, he, he supplies the power, and they've got some pop as a team. So that's what I would do, but I also give this coaching staff a lot of credit. They've had a, a really good feel for this team, and they've had a really good feel for the pitching staff. I mentioned that when, when they inserted Pete Hansen 
into the weekend starting rotation. They actually did that. It was perfect timing and the, the way they played that. I think they've been really good with how they've used their arms this year. So I'm sure they've got some method to their madness. But, yeah, I mean, I wasn't the only one. There's a couple couple former Texas baseball players, pitchers, that, that said, yeah, I'd probably go with Pete Hansen too. So, of course, if Texas loses, we'll, we'll be screaming about that. Can I give you some positives on Please. the Texas offensive side? Yes. Every single Texas starter now batting over 250. Nice. So Trey Faltini has been on a little bit of a tear recently. No, he has. He's up to 262. He had been under 250 for most of the year. Eric Kennedy, who has had some really well-documented struggles, obviously had that huge hit to win that uh, South Florida game in the, the first contest, laced that double right into the gap. Uh, South Florida kind of questionably deployed there defensively, but hey, We'll take it. Got to play no uh, doubles there, man. Got to play no, no doubles. Doubt. But Roberto Pena, I, I Roberto Pena is an infielder, and that showed there. Yep, no doubt about that. Uh, so Kennedy's at 255. Silas Arduan, 251. <laughs> the guy that you and I have talked about, we both love, he's got 39 stolen bags on the year. Tim Moss uh, had 40. And, and if you remember Tim Moss, he was like a pure speed guy, yeah. right? Yep. And Mike Antico now up to almost 270. He's got nine homers. He's hitting for power. His on-base percentage, for, uh, 44, like .44. Slugging, almost 500. Uh, he's got 39 bags. He's almost batting 270. He started the year at you know, the Mendoza line. This guy's been on a tear. He's been a huge asset for Texas. And as Ivan Melendez, Cam Williams, and Zach Zubia have been inconsistent, I think – some of these guys at the bottom of the order have really stepped up and given Texas the ability to score some runs. And I think they're going to need all the help they can get uh, against Mississippi State, if, especially if Bednar's on. And, and if Bednar's not on, Kevin, I mean, my sense is they'll pull that guy in the second or third inning if they need to. And yeah. they'll, go, they'll just start rolling out pitchers two, three innings at a time. And, and try to confound the Texas lineup. Yeah, they, they've got some some good relief arms, and I mentioned uh, Sims, but they got a couple guys around that. You know, you're right. Great point on the bottom of the lineup, and that's where when you get a complete lineup and the bottom of the lineup is tough to pitch to and you can't just throw cookies at them or down the middle, man, it, that that really can tax a pitcher, and that is where you really get to someone because – you expect, especially if you're going to be playing in Omaha, the top of your lineup is going to be pretty damn good, and even the middle of the lineup. But the bottom, they, those guys are actually seeing the baseball better than Ivan Melendez. Ivan Melendez, David Pierce said it after the game, he's not seeing the ba uh, ball very well right now. And he's getting tied up with with two seamers or fastballs that are in that don't let him extend his, uh, extend his uh, arms. And then he's also just chasing a lot of breaking balls. So he's got to be more patient. He's got to get in, in more high-leverage counts and then really try to get those arms extended and do what he was doing, you know, during during that Big 12 run where he was just hit, hitting the shit out of the ball. Uh, I don't think Mitchell Daly's seen it necessarily that well. Cam is, uh, but Mike Antico at the top of the lineup, you're exactly right about that. Mike Antico has just been, he has been so huge. What a find to get him out of St. John's. You're right, he did struggle early on and struggled defensively too, just trying to get used to, that cavernous center field and that outfield and he's gotten used to it and the offense has come and when that guy gets on he's taken off he he could he could literally he could literally and figuratively steal a couple runs in this game which could be 
gigantic. But the bottom of the lineup, kind of the point you made. Look, Trey Faltini, he's got a real flexible swing. He's got flexibility in his swing. That's one thing Ty Harrington said, and I, lo- I love that. I, it, it, it struck you know, it struck a chord with me right away. I go, yeah, he, do- he does have flexibility with that swing. Faltini's hit more. He's run into more bad luck. I would love to see what his BABIP is, balls batted in play, because he's hit a lot of line drives, even when he wasn't, when that swing didn't look as flexible early in the year, and he's hit them right at people. He's had the worst luck all year long of anyone in this lineup, and I think that's evening out a little bit. He's got to get his damn bunts down. And I'll say that to all those guys. So does so does Hodo. Uh, you know, those guys struggled with that once again over the weekend. That's been a problem all year long. That is going to come back to bite them in the ass in a game like this if they don't get that done. And I'm not saying that they need to be bunning more. I think the coaching staff has really been good. They're not predictable. And when they're pulling stuff like that or, or trying to pull a move offensively, it's made sense, whether that's hit and run, straight steal, or sacrifice. But they got to get their nose in there and get those down. With that said, Faltini's swing looks really good, and he has seen the baseball really well. Eric Kennedy has come out of the funk. I mean, that was easily the best swing that Eric Kennedy has had all year long, and, and I really mean all weekend long, that he looked good. Not only the shot that went over Pena's head, but then the next game, he, he lined a ball to right field for a sack fly. He, you know, that, that would be huge if both those guys at the 7, 8, or 9 spot are, are type of guys that, hey, they can also leave the yard too. They got some pop. They got speed. They got to get on. If those guys have, have a big weekend and a big series, Texas is going to be moving forward, I think. So forget my ignorance here, but Omaha is – perceived to have a larger park in general compared to most college baseball how does it compare to the dish uh it is so i think it's pretty close in terms of of the actual dimensions but they built the park the wrong effing way and it, it, it kyle peterson and i were doing a home run derby up there and peterson's like the unofficial mayor of omaha i mean he's the college baseball guy you know from omaha pitched at stanford and we're doing it and during a break, I just said, this place is stale. And he goes, it sucks. And, and the other thing that sucks about it is that the wind blows in. And they built it, they, and they knew that. They knew where they built this, that the wind was going to be blowing in. If you already have kind of a bigger park, you don't want the wind blowing in. You, if anything, you want balls leaving the ballpark, right? This is college baseball. Let's keep this fun. And I'm not saying I want it to be Dan Law Field, where fly balls are just are carrying out. But they, here's why they built it the wrong way, because they wanted to make sure that the center field backdrop, that you could see the incredible, the beautiful convention center. Mm. I mean, you got to be kidding me. And so that's, well, why, they, that's why they built yeah. it that way. In, in fairness, Kevin, maybe you don't go on TripAdvisor, but the Omaha Convention Center is a world-famous landmark. Yeah, no, I know. They're acting like that was going to be a draw. And by the way, Omaha's a fun, a fun, fun little town. They got good live music. They've got some, some obviously good steakhouses, some good Italian places. Like there's, there's almost like their own little Fourth Street district, which is, which is pretty cool. Don't sell the convention center. Convention center is a convention center. There, there is, there is no pretty convention center. Yeah, it's a bunch of guys in polos yes. at the IBM regional meeting, right? right. Like, yes, walking around and. 
like uh, going to their little meetings and Bob, we're going to get some steak tonight. (laughs) So, Hey, I do have a question for you. You mentioned throwing cookies, obviously a baseball term, Um, throwing it right down the middle, not trying to spot, just saying, here you go, hit it. What if a pitcher threw an actual cookie? Would that spark spark a brawl or would the hitter be appreciative and like give him a little nod and and take a bite of the cookie? Well, if it was like John Cruck or someone like that, I mean, can you can imagine like Cecil Fielder would would sit down and, and eat the cookie and then get back up and have his A.B.? Yeah, would, would he hit better? Would the sugar give him more power, or would it make him jittery and you can cross him up easier? Oh, God. So you'll love this. So Lance Berkman was was at Wrigley and was chatting with – You know, this is obviously when he was still playing. He's in the outfield. He's chatting with the, the bleacher bums, and they're giving him crap and everything. And they said, hey, if you know, we got Twinkies for you, Lance. We got Twinkies. So in between an inning, he goes out there, and he's like, throw me one of those Twinkies. And they, they actually threw it down to him, and he ate it. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I know. Like that. Yeah, no, that shows you how cool Lance is, that Lance was like, you know what, I understand that I am not I am not the definition of what you would think when you think of athletes, pro athletes. My body does not fit that. But you know what, I've got a skill set, and I can hit. And baseball, baseball is more of those guys than certainly any of the big three that you look at. And I know you have fun with this all the time, but – Man, it's about a skill, and that skill doesn't necessarily mean that you're not fat. Yeah, it is a certain set of skills, right? As Liam Neeson likes to say in the Taken movies, I have a certain set of skills. <laughs> uh, you, you've not seen any of these movies. You don't know what I'm talking about. No, do I don't. I'm actually okay. – Well, you, you I, chuckled anyway. That no, was, I'm was, a, well, and, and, and I'm glad I did. I was actually chuckling because Rodney Rodriguez just finished a show and just, just made a hand signal to me. So I was laughing at both, but no. I'm uh I I'm just gonna I'm actually gonna get some laughs set up where I can just enter those after the show and just go ha ha ha, ha. oh that's good yeah, kind of so, like you do but, with me with baseball well yeah well that's more like groans and sighs but <laughs> I think this podcast would be greatly improved with more production I think we should have a laugh track no like an no. 80s or 90s sitcom oh. No. And if we say something funny, then I'll, I'll insert a little laugh track of canned laugh, <laughs> like an audience laughter. And it will really, the listeners will love it. Oh, God. Remember how cheesy those were? No, no, absolutely not. I know you're kidding around, but absolutely not. Those, those were so damn cheesy. It's funny because I think we just got used to them. Now, if you go back and rewatch shows that have those, God, they stand out, don't they? Not only that, it's one of these things that I, I sometimes feel like I'm the only sane person in the world or the only person noticing something. NBA games have a freaking organ being played during the game. Yeah. I mean, do you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking yes, about I know what you're talking are, about. Who are like NBA fans or basketball watchers are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, like, Changes of possession, they're playing freaking canned organ music. Yeah. And I'm just like, is, am I the only person noticing that they're playing an organ during a, a live athletic event? At least Texas basketball has a DJ. Uh, but holy cow. It's, it's incredible to me. And it's the other offender is baseball and the stupid dot races and the idiot crowd. Oh, I got the, I got the fat dot on the middle. <laughs> Oh, I had fun. I had fun with the dot races as a kid. Come on. Oh, God. You're bored. What's your take on the wave? 
the wave is fun if you're winning and you're drunk. Okay, so you got to add some specifics in there. I yeah, you got to have some 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 qualifiers. I I do like the guy who tries to start the wave by himself organically. There was a guy doing that at the Astros game. I was forced to. I mean, I got to attend. Uh, and, uh, Gabe, I hope you heard that. Yeah, he heard it. He heard it. He doesn't care. And uh, I've attacked baseball sufficiently that he he's he's immune to it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, a guy kept trying to start the wave by himself, and I really appreciate the effort. He was largely ignored, uh, but I do like the guy who tries to start the wave by himself. It's a little like the guy who tries to do the start the Texas fight during a weird lull, uh, like you know during a TV timeout. Yeah, and people just kind of look at him. Right. It's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's only so many Scott Wilsons that we have that actually get that get that stuff going, you know? The, That's the, right. The Texas fight. You know, you know Scott, right? Uh, he's a very famous Texas fan, yes. I know of Scott. Do not know Scott. Well, I'm going to have to introduce you. Scott well, Wilson. you're just such a little social butterfly, aren't you, Kevin? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I want to throw a cookie at you right now. Yeah, I know you do. Uh, hey, I, uh, I would love to have Randy Boone thrown at you. Hey, we mentioned Gabe, man. Randy and I are cool. You keep trying to instigate stuff. Yes, right? yes, I Randy do. Randy and I are cool. No, you've talked enough shit about baseball that it's about he time. He doesn't care. I know he doesn't. Kevin, I know he doesn't care. Randy was a very – he was a three-sport athlete in high school. He was the starting quarterback. He's the starting point guard on the basketball team, and he played baseball. You know what? If Randy had been as good at football or basketball as he was at baseball, I bet he would have played those sports and enjoyed them just as much or more. Wow. Wow. What I do mean, you think about that? I didn't realize you were going to take take that that seriously, but, <laughs> but you're right. Well, Randy, I'm not taking it very seriously. Randy but, was a damn good athlete. My point is the baseball players I always get along with and like the most were the guys that were good at every sport, and they were just the best at baseball. Yeah. So they're like, well, I'll play baseball because I'm the best at this. Yeah. In, in football, my, my ceiling is being quarterback at Sam Houston State, right? Or I could be a starting pitcher at UT, arguably the greatest program in college baseball history. I guess I'll go play baseball, yeah. right? Yep. And also in football, you get things like brain injuries and broken knees and uh, you get hit a lot and practice sucks. And in baseball, when you practice, you kind of do like a little half-ass jog around the infield <laughs> and you shag balls and there's like hot chicks sitting in the stands watching you practice and you and stick you, around and, and you, you chat. And you get a ball boy or a bat boy to go go get her number. That's right. The baseball <laughs> is, a, is a much more fun sport to practice. Uh, I can't speak to being more fun to play necessarily, but... I can't imagine a more fun sport to practice. All right. We got that figured out. So I guess Randy won't be throwing at you. Hey, I mentioned Gabe. Tell people uh, why Gabe can help them out. Well, the reason he can help you out is optionality. Right now, if you go to a lender at your big bank, you go do the thing right up the middle. Uh, you know, there's, this, there's this weird thing of mortgages right now where you, either you do an online mortgage where they advertise this incredible rate, right, this lure, you could have a 1.2% 30-year note with no money down, right? Yeah. You click on the link. You fill out the information because, of course, they won't just give you a quote, right? And then you're forever on their spam email list. And guess what? When you finally do connect with someone, probably a, a bot, uh, that rate has changed and everything's changed. And you have no human being that you can actually call if they're not going to close on time or say, hey, something's changed in my loan or – you know, if, if you're in a busy market, as it is right now, 
it would be nice to have a human being you can contact. So I've kind of banged on the big banks and their impersonality and the fact that they mark up everything so much to pay for their awesome offices. But there's another side of it, which is all these mortgages online, which give you these lures of incredibly low rates that are inconceivable. And then when you actually get into their little web, you realize uh, you're basically dealing with an algorithm. And uh, if they don't get your mortgage closed on time, there's a big collective shrug from them. There's no human being to call and everything goes to hell and your wife divorces you. So I think a better option is to call, contact Gabe Winslow, 832-557-1095. Gabe is going to shoot you straight. He's going to set you right. He's going to give you a great rate, and he's going to be responsive. Uh, he picks up the phone any time of day when there's something that he can do for you, and his team is exceptional as well. So give Gabe a call at 832-557-1095. That was a lovely story you, uh, you played out there. Yeah. Well, and look, if you want to be divorced – <laughs> then I think you should go through that course of action. So that's fine. But, uh, yeah, if, if you want to stay with your wife and not lose the dream house, try to go with a person who could be the best guarantor of that, and that's Gabe. All right, love Gabe. I'm going to talk just for Gabe. I'm going to talk a little bit more baseball here and, and just for you. So we didn't – Hey, I'm going to hang up. Uh, you don't need me, correct? <laughs> no, if you want to hang up, I'll just – I'll sign us off. I'll, I'll give David a shout-out. We have to give Laura a shout-out. But – We'll do that here in a second. Just to finish off our look at the uh, College World Series. Oh, stop it. Grow up. Come on. Uh, Just stop. Uh, we looked at the Texas side, the other team on that side. So I mentioned Tennessee would be Virginia. Um, Virginia probably scares me the least as I say that. I'm sure they're going to be 2-0 and in, 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 the, in the driver's seat on that side. But, no, I, I would – they scare me probably the least. On the other side of the bracket, obviously everyone looks at Vanderbilt. They've got 31 scholarships or whatever it is this year. they gotta, they got to get that shit figured out in college baseball. Talk about competitive imbalance, which is w- amazing that these state schools actually can, can play with them. And they can. But you've got Kumar Rocker. I think Rocker's been overrated this year, to be completely honest, especially compared to what Kumar was the last couple of years. Jack Leiter is not. Jack Leiter is the real deal. They don't have much for, for their third starter. Uh, 40% of their losses this year, Vanderbilt's losses, came on that Sunday game or that third starter game. So they don't have a lot of – they don't have the normal depth that Tim Corbin should with those however many scholarships they have this year. In the bullpen, usually they got better depth. And I actually like how their offense fits this park, but they're really, really set up to be in more of a three-game setup to where you get those two guys and they can go win and and hopefully you don't get to that third game. So I like Vanderbilt, but I don't think they're a shoe-in. Arizona actually is kind of my sleeper and my pick to come out of, of that side of the bracket. Watch them a lot in the regional and super regional and, God, they're playing really, really good baseball. Obviously, NC State is hot. They just went to Fayetteville. They would kind of be my Virginia on that side of the bracket. They would be probably the last team I would pick to advance. I'm taking Arizona. I think it will be Arizona or Vanderbilt, and uh, that should be pretty fun early on. Stanford is playing, obviously, really good baseball, but they went to Dan Law Field and they hit a bunch of home runs. Home runs, like I said with Tennessee on the other side, home runs are not going to win it for you at TD Ameritrade, especially if the wind is blowing in, which, as I pointed out earlier, it usually is this time of year. 
So I, I think Texas is – they got a really good shot to go do this, but this is a wide-open CWS. I, I followed some before where I could tell you, look, there are three teams that can win this thing, and I'll tell you who they are. There's more than three, and I don't know who's going to win this. Yeah, Stanford could win it. Arizona, Vanderbilt, Texas, uh, really any possibility. Tennessee, I mean, I was impressed with what they did to LSU, but I think your point is good that uh, they're playing in a little cracker box. And it'll be interesting to see if that can carry over to Omaha. But, yeah, I, I'm fascinated by it. I think Texas, if they can get past Mississippi State, boy, they've got some nice tailwinds. Agreed. Uh, of how that pitching staff sets up, how their opponents set up. i tell you what I don't want to do is be on the other side of that bracket and face Vandy in the first two games. No, no, no. I don't. I, look, I, I said Kumar hasn't been as good. I didn't say I wanted to face him. Um, and yeah. I, I was comparing Kumar to the – more to the guy who, who who threw a perfect game or a no hitter in, in in a regional or super regional a couple years years ago. Like he is, you know, you know that's Tracy Rocker's kid. Remember Tracy yeah, Rocker? Yeah, I can't believe that. Yeah, I feel so old. Yeah, I know who Tracy Rocker is. Yeah, a pretty good scene. It, Tracy's sitting next to his his wife and and Kumar's mom, and Kumar, you know, uh, gets pulled. For his final outing, he's going to be a top 10 pick this year. So his last outing at Vanderbilt at their home stadium. And, of course, the camera's on her. And she just put her head down and started bawling. And it was funny because, yeah, it was really sweet. But then Tracy had that, okay, this is my wife of probably, what, like 20, 25 years? And he kind of looked, and we've all been there. And then he's like, all right, I need to put my, I need to put my arm around her. But he gave that look like, oh, shit, you're really losing it. And, and just as a pro athlete, like, he just kind of had that look like, all right, good outing, kid. Yep, this was yep. fun here. And then he looks looks to his right, and she's just got she's just got her uh, her face in her hands, and you can tell she's just losing it, which was really sweet, really cool to see. But then I started laughing. Just Look, we've all been in relationships like that where it's like, I think Seinfeld even did something on it. It's like, all right, you need to put your arm around her now. now now's probably the time. She doesn't need to be sitting there alone. Yeah, the, the running joke I have with the, the woman I'm dating is that when she needs to relate something to me, I'm like, do I need to grab both of your hands and hold them while you tell me this? Or can I just, <laughs> like, is this a, or can I interact with you normally as you tell me this story? Right, exactly. And then she'll just laugh and be like, I just need one hand held when I tell this story about how uh, someone at work was mean to me or whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> But it's yeah, it's it's awesome. You kind of go through these things as a guy where you're like, I think I'm supposed to. Is this a big deal? I think it's a big deal to her. So okay, I think I'm supposed to uh, be comforting right now. Uh, and you just end up saying shh and like stroking their shoulder, right? Yep, that's exactly it. Uh, Sometimes you just and it's get... about it's, it's usually about a dry cleaner losing their favorite blouse. Yeah, no, I mean it, it's something that <laughs> isn't necessarily a big deal to us, but that's not the big that that's not why we need to be comforting it's a big deal to them right so well you know what is comforting and what is a big deal having the right realtor yes if you're a buyer right now in texas or anywhere else but specifically central texas you need some help because it's a seller's market right now and i tell you what even though it is a seller's market if you want to optimize within that market you need the right help and you need laura baker she is on the andy allen team at keller williams you can reach her at 512 7840505 7840505 she is going to hold your hand and soothe you through the process 
of either selling or buying your home. And uh, she's really good at navigating a very tricky market. So when you're evaluating a realtor, go for the one that's smart, experienced, and highly motivated. Not the one who will work you in three days from now. It's the one who says, you want to look at houses? I can meet you in an hour. That's the one you want. That's Laura Baker with the Andy Allen team at Keller Williams. 512-784-0505. Hey, Kevin, you were talking about feeling old uh, with Tracy Rocker's kid being a star pitcher. Tracy Rocker was a star defensive lineman, right? Yep. At Auburn? Yep, at Auburn. Played in the league. I saw something that made me feel old. What's that? A tweet with a picture of a player decked out in Aggie gear. You know what his name was? Reggie McNeil Jr., Yes. Oh, my God. We're on the same wavelength. I saw it. And yes, I Reggie McNeil, <laughs> Kevin. Yes, I know. Oh, uh, no. He actually What's he, happening. He looks a lot like his dad because remember his dad coming out of high school out of Lufkin, right, was was really slight. I mean, he was not he, he just was was a pretty skinny kid, but it was an incredible athlete. And he kind of looks like him a little bit. Better than Vince Young, if I recall. Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, I according I, to Aggie. Okay, yeah. I was like, uh, I mean, signed at the same. Time. I didn't know if you're being serious in terms of in high school, if you because a lot of people thought that even some Texas fans early on in high school. Obviously, that didn't play out in college. Those would be Texas fans who never watched Houston Madison play. I agree, man. Because I have never seen a guy uh, play football like Vince Young at the high school level with as little support as he had. Um, I mean, it's one of those things where you watch a couple of plays and you just sit up and go, Oh God, please tell me Texas can get this guy. Yep. I, I saw, but, yeah, I saw I play. McNeil, a star player out of Lufkin, his son, uh, a couple of years out from being a college recruit. Pretty Unbelievable. Crazy. Yep. We are getting old. As you get older though, you really start to think, when am I going to retire? And that's where David McClellan can come in and help you out. Fiduciary financial advisories from Forum financial, Really great guy, uh, really smart guy, and he's going to help you out. He does specialize in financial life coaching, also retirement planning. So the key is you got to find out what your financial freedom number is and how to get there, how to build more wealth and really achieve that financial freedom and do it as fast as you can. David will help you with that. It's a free consultation, so you might as well call him and just see what he can do for you. If you mention the the podcast He's going to hook you up and give you that free consultation and walk you through stuff and really see where you need to be, where you're at, but more importantly, where you need to be. 312-933-8823, 312-933-8823, or email him, dmcclellan at forumfin.com. You know what I love about David, Kevin? What? I love people who can triumph over adversity and getting some bad cards and, and still playing them the best they can and, and absolutely dominating. David was a championship swimmer at the University of Texas, suffered chlorine poisoning for years, Kevin. He entered Texas with 170 IQ. It probably eroded down to like a 155, right? (laughs) And he overcame, bleached out the chlorine and the poison from his body and became a huge success in the financial industry and is now one of the most respected financial advisors, not only in Texas, but in the country. What a triumph of will from David McClellan as a swimmer. I'm ready for the Wall Street Journal to do an article about the chlorine and fighting through that chlorine and just how, just how uh, resilient it is. he is, really, to get through that. It's pretty impressive. 
Well, I think I told you I had a, a freshman roommate who was a walk-on swimmer at Texas, and appropriately his name was Wade. And uh, he had eternally red eyes <laughs> from chlorine, even though you're wearing goggles. And he was always incredibly tired and eating massive amounts of food and had about 4.5% body fat. Wow. That's, you know, that's funny because I had a roommate that essentially had all the same traits. Always had red eyes, was always really tired, and was always really hungry. Now, he was a pothead, but, but yeah, still, you can, yeah. you can get that. I, I got that one. Yeah, this was a, a different, more active, highly motivated <laughs> individual. But, yeah, I've been exposed to that as well. Uh, talk about throwing cookies at someone. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a guy around midnight. He's, he's having his fifth meal of the day. But, oh, uh, you, you, you got to lock stuff up with guys like that. You know, that's one of those where you literally it's like, all right, I know this is going to be gone if I don't hide this. You there, buddy? There. All right. I, I just was worried you're going to transition back to baseball, and I was trying to <laughs> hang up without you noticing. All right, that's going to be it. Say goodbye, Paul. Adios.